0: Have joined us today. Where two or three are gathered, He is here. So this morning, let's celebrate Jesus. Where creation suddenly articulate with the. I'll be crucified with you Cause death is just a doorway Into resurrection life And if I can join you in your suffering I'll rejoice cause you're there too. And I won't be formed by feelings. I'll hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, I'll rejoice. respond can you Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace Night of wonder, still and silent Heaven's brilliance from above Light of glory, here's the darkness Mercy felt no word, you paid it all.
1: Protects all those who love Him, but He destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord, and may everyone on earth bless His holy name forever and ever. Father God, this morning we thank You that You really do love us, and everything You do is because You love us. You do everything out of love, and we love You in that. In Jesus' name, we pray. You may be seated. Thank you.
2: Well, good morning. We're gonna do something we haven't done in a while. Marlena, will you come on and bring Anthony and family? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Anthony, can I hold you? Huh? Yeah? No? Okay. We we'll do it. Y'all turn around this way. This is Marlena, tell me. D Giovanni. D Giovanni. I married him and you can imagine what I did with that name when I got through. <laughs> But Marlena, this is home for her. They live in Connecticut. And I have, we have blessed all of their boys. And, just, and Marlena called and they asked if we could dedicate Anthony, their newest born, to the Lord. So would you all stretch out your hands toward Anthony? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just bless Anthony in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we invite your presence to come. That, Lord, You would watch over Your Word to perform it in Anthony's life all the days that he will live. Father, we also pray that You would set him apart to be a man of God for what You have purposed. And, Father, we're also asking that You would engineer the circumstances to bring Anthony to a place for his own faith and relationship with Jesus, that he would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. Father, we bless this household. We bless this family. Bless them that they would... Uh, raise anthony in the fear and the admonition of the lord and we say it now and we as a congregation bless anthony in the name of jesus and all god's people said Amen. amen amen
3: good morning church family If this is your first time visiting with us in person or online, welcome. We are so glad that you decided to worship with us today. Here at New Covenant Church, we invite all people in the communities where we live to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. You can learn more about NCC, become part of our church family, or join our volunteer team by going through our Connect classes online or by attending one of the upcoming in-person classes. If you would like to bless what God is doing to the ministries at NCC with your tithes and offerings, you can use the offering boxes or give online at newcovenantlampasas.com. Now, if you have any questions about what's going on at NCC, I want more information on how to get connected. Please stop by the hub desk after the service. Again, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. Now let's open and prepare our hearts for the word.
2: Well, good morning. good morning. So good to have you with us this morning. We're in a series called Majesty. And before we get into that, let me just make an announcement. Young people, tonight, you normally have your youth program here, but tonight you're going to be going to the Bethlehem display in it. And so you need to be here at 4 o'clock. You're going to be leaving at 4 o'clock. The permission slips will be here that you can sign that at that time. And then you'll be returning. This is for the parents. They'll be returning at 7 o'clock. So from 4 to 7, they're going to be traveling this evening. So there won't be youth over at the West. They'll be traveling to burn it. So young people, you hear that? Parents, you hear that? Okay. All right. Hey, it's good to be with you this morning. Let me give you a little insight on a preacher. Most preachers, and uh, I've been doing this a few years, and I can tell you, the older I get, Sundays come around every two days you know, because you're, you're, you just get, you work and you work and you work and you get that sermon prepared and you get ready and, and then you preach it and then all day Sunday afternoon and all day Monday you're thinking about what did I do wrong, what did I say, what should I say, what, all that. But here's, Monday morning I was traveling back to, to the office, Monday morning I was traveling to the office and we're in a series called Majesty. And the Lord has really convicted me about giving him his place. We have reduced God down to our size. We've reduced what he can do, how much he can do, what he's really going to be available to, down to, to what humanity is instead of what divinity is. And so I've been really meditating on it and praying on it. And so I was driving to church on, or to the office on Monday morning and I'm crying out to the Lord, Lord, what am I preaching next Sunday? Thank you for last Sunday, but God's Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming, and, and as I was driving, and I didn't expect this, but immediately to my mind came Hebrews eleven six. Hebrews eleven six says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that, bel- you, for <laughs> I better read it, hadn't. I? For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him." And the part that stood out to me was must believe that he is. Now, that word literally means to exist, but it means more than just that. It's, it's kind of the, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But what God pointed out to me, we've got to believe not only that God exists, but that he exists as he is for who he is. And for what he's promised and how he's revealed himself to be. If we want to please God, we must believe God is who he says he is. That's where we're coming to this with majesty. I'm afraid that so many, including myself, that we've reduced God down to the familiar. God, we need to understand God's not just who we think. He is so much more than you've been taught. And sometimes I think we kind of go to God and we tell Him our list, but we don't acknowledge Him for who He is. And so this morning I want to talk to you about the response. What should be our response to who He really is? Now we know that it's faith, but let me use King David. In Psalms chapter 8, oh by the way, the text is Psalms 89. Psalms 89, 6, and 7, and we'll get there in about 20 minutes. (laughs) Psalms chapter 8, verse 1, New American Standard says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have displayed your splendor above the heavens. You can't help but see God when you drive and the trees are changing and everything's going, the seasons that Pastor Chris had just finished preaching about. You can't help but know there is a creator and there's a king and his name is Lord Jesus. He is over all and in all. Psalms 8.1 says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the world. Three words I want to point out. I'm teaching, Pastor, so let me point out three words. Lord, the first word, if, it's in, if you're reading in the King James Bible, it's going to be spelled out all caps. The word in actual Hebrew is not Lord. The word in actual Hebrew is Y-H-W-H, has no vowels. Y-H-W-H. If you grew up in my time, you would have said that's Jehovah. But the, the reason it's Y-H-W-H, and we've, we've transliterated it to be Jehovah or Yahweh, but the reality is we don't know how to pronounce it. The Jew, the Hebrews, the one that called out that first became followers of God, that people from Abraham on literally from Moses, that people, his name was so holy that they would not speak it. They still don't. And so when we got an interpretation of scripture, the scrolls, the word Yahweh that is literally in the Hebrew is translated Lord, but they capitalize it in certain translations, all caps to show you the difference. And so what David was saying was Yahweh, and the word is the name that God gave Moses when he said, who do I tell men that has sent me? And he says, tell them, y'all want to say it with me? I am that I am. In other words, this word means I am. It's not I was, not I will be. I am, and I am all that I am. There is no other. There's none like me. There's not a, there's not a second one. There's not a third one. There's me. I am that I am. I am God, the creator of the universe. Well, let me just give you David. David just kind of gets a revelation of this. And, and, and in first, 1 first Chronicles chapter 29... Verses 11, 12. Here's what David says Yours, O Lord, and that's that all kept word, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord. Capital Lord and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might. It lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. David got a picture of the majesty of God. He had a revelation from a shepherd boy to a a king, and when he said this, he's about to, to get... To finish his reign, Solomon's about to build the temple. And David just gives a declaration of the majesty of God. Lord, capital L-O-R-D. And then there's this other word, Lord. The Hebrew is Adonai, which is a title recognizing his authority and sovereignty, God's rule and dominion over all. And then he says, how majestic He's saying it's mightier, it's higher than everything else in all of creation. And by combining these terms, David is so overwhelmed with the majestic reality of God as he is. If we want to please God, we're going to have to believe that he is as he is. Well, what should our response be to a God... Of this majesty. Psalms 89 verse 6 and 7 says. For who in the heavens. Can be compared to the Lord. Who among the sons of the mighty. Can be likened to the Lord. God is greatly to be feared. Mark that word. Greatly to be feared. In the assembly of his saints. And to be held in reverence. Mark that word. By all those around him. Two words. Feared and reverence. The proper response of a human being to the reality and majesty of our Creator is to be reverential fear. Reverential fear. There's throughout the Bible, there's, oh, I believe it's over 70 places uh, where it's talking about the fear of the Lord. Multiple times in Scripture, as you read the Old Testament, you'll find out when God shows up. When God shows up, people fall on their faces. They fall on their faces. Some fall in worship and reverence, in adoration, in submission. Some fall dead. Okay? Now, I'm not talking about worship. I'm talking about the majesty of God. What, is, what does it call for? It calls for you to fall before Him and acknowledge Him for who He is. But here's the thing If you don't acknowledge him for who he is There's a threat with that Nadab and Abihu uh, Sons of Aaron Brought strange fire Before the presence of the Lord And, And they failed it And you know what God said Don't mourn them You can't mourn them Well that's Old Testament preacher New Testament Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter five. They come in. They lie about. They lie to the Holy Spirit, and they fall dead. I got an f- idea that God's not trifling with this thing called Majesty and Holy, and and why is that? And. Moses gets a word. This is Leviticus 10.3. Moses says to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. I think we have gotten so flippant with the reality of the privilege, the gracious privilege of being able to just go to God in prayer. I think we've become flippant with who we're really... It says we have the... You know, Hebrews tells us that that this was such a strange thing that now we have boldness to enter into the throne of God by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know the only thing that protects us when we go to pray and uh, opens the door for us when we go to pray is the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm so... Afraid, and especially for our young people because we in the church seem to have lost this reverential fear of who God really is and what we've tended to do is make Him a meme in our attitude and the rest of it's all about me. Folks, listen to me. You are nothing compared to Him. And if we don't understand this, if we lose the fear of the Lord, we lose the promises of God in so many ways. So let me just share with you about this. What is the fear of the Lord? When I hear the word fear of the Lord, I immediately default to English. My word fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. When we hear fear, we hear frightened or scared. When you're scared, you hide or you boogie. You run away. Now, that would be true if you don't know God as he is. You see, it would be really true we ought to boogie in the presence of God unless you know the God that you're in the presence of. You see Psalms 130 verse 3 let me it's going to be on the screen there's a, there's a real thing about the fear the right kind of fear of God there is this kind of fear that you ought to realize what would happen if he wasn't good Lord if you kept a record of sins oh lord who could survive if God was just a record keeper of wrongs then we should be terrified. And a lot of us sometimes get, come across because of the way we're raised, because of the way we're taught, we come across thinking that uh, God's just this mean old thing upstairs and, and He's going to get us and if you don't just abide by the rules and all these things, then God's going to get you. Verse 3 says, Lord, if you did just count sins, who could survive? But look at verse 4. But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. You offer forgiveness. Amplified says there's a forgiveness with you just what man needs. That you may be reverentially feared and worshipped. God doesn't just keep records. He has just what we need. It's forgiveness and freedom. The fear of the Lord is a matter of perspective and position perspective, what I believe about who God is, and then position who I am and what is my relation to Him. Uh, I, among many others, misunderstood the fear of the Lord much of my life, especially as a child. Uh, The fear of the Lord, when I heard that term, it didn't draw me near to God. It it caused me to back away from God, uh, to keep my distance. Because one thing I figured out pretty good. How many of you made promises to God you didn't keep? Anybody ever fail? Anybody ever mess up? The reality is that what we tended to do is I tended to believe that, you know, God is absolutely holy. And, and if I really feared him, then I better stay away because I'll, I'll, I'll taint him or something. Uh, you see, my attitude was fearing the Lord means you have to be perfect, you have to keep the rules. Let me just say it in Texas terms, you have to be good. And and we got that from teaching. We caught it from our upbringing or those things. And it's not that it's not right, it's just not complete. Deuteronomy 6, 1 and 2, Moses is telling them about this, this what God had brought them to. And he says, now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. That you may observe them in the land which you are going, which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days, that your days may be prolonged. In other words, you better keep what he says if you want to live long. You better do it all. And not only you, but your son and your grandson. In other words, it's just always there. I I caught that as a young man. And it sounds like it's all about obeying commands and keeping rules. But if you just read down two other verses, look at verses 4 and 5. Deuteronomy 6, hear O Israel, here's God imploring them, hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Well, wait a minute. Which is it? Am I supposed to keep the rules or am I supposed to love God? Yes, yes. Yes, but listen to me. The rules was that you might prolong life long. The rules were for your best. The rules was from your creator who knows exactly what you need in order for you to be forgiven and to be freed and able to love him. You see, the rules are not God's wanting you to be a slave to Him. The rules are there so that you can be a righteous son to Him. And if you don't understand, if you don't get the right perspective of God, you're going to think He's a tyrant trying to to get obedience instead of a father wanting to have many sons to bring to glory. What does God want from us? To love Him. God delivered Egypt, Israel from Egypt because He loved Him, loved them, not because He wanted slaves, but because He wanted free people to know Him and love Him and represent Him to a world that desperately needs to know Him. Paul got that revelation in Romans. Paul got it. He said, Love fulfills all law, love is the fulfillment of the law. If you love him, you will. The fear of the Lord combines respect with love. It's loving respect and respectful love. To fear someone is to respect them and love them at the same time. To respect them is to acknowledge their person and their place and their right and their dominion, their authority, their glory. And to love them is to love them is to value and want to please them. The very best example that, that I felt like the Lord gave me is, is something in my own life. Uh, I had the privilege of being raised in a godly home. Uh, it was a, uh, the, the picture is a relationship of a, a godly father with his son. I was blessed to be born in a family that had a godly father. I'm not perfect. I could tell you his faults. But good. An obvious reason for me to fear my father was that he was 6'4 and 250 pounds. He was a man's man. In fact, my nickname while I was growing up was Squirt. Because I was the least among the men in my family. And my father had a way of getting his will done in our house. It's called force. He could make it happen. But in reality... I didn't respect my father because he was big enough to enforce his will, his rule. I respected my father because he loved me. He wanted the best for me. He counted me his son. And he took the responsibility for me to be raised as unto the Lord. My father gave me his best. Yes, he disciplined me. But it was always for my good according to him. And it was. I can honestly say though. I had a respectful love. And I also had a loving respect. You see what kept me out of trouble. A lot of trouble as I became a teenager. Growing up. Was my father's love. I didn't want to do anything that would break his heart or cause him shame. Now, that's not to say that I didn't break his heart and make him ashamed of me at times. But that, that was my selfish stupidity. It wasn't ever a question of his love and desire for me. And the older I got, when Connie and I began to have a family of our own, the more I had a respectful love for how I was raised And for what my father had done. And listen. I wanted to be a father like him. I wanted to show them Jesus. You see. He had the force. To get his will done. But what he. What got his. Way. Across to me. Was me knowing he loved me. He was for me. And he had the best intentions. To make me the man I'm supposed to be. If you understand. To fear the Lord. Is to know that God is for you. He has done everything necessary for you to know Him. And He has so many promises available to you. If you will just acknowledge Him. And and resist the stupidity of rebellion. Trust Him. And then there's a scripture I want you to see. It's it's Psalms 147 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. I love the Lord takes pleasure. Do you know what pleases God? The fear of the Lord. For you to acknowledge Him. For who He is. For what He's done. For what He's doing. Let let him know you know who he is let him know you know what he can do and all these things of this world are nothing compared to him and then you love him you trust him and the Bible says the Lord takes pleasures in those who fear him and those who hope have a confident expectation in his mercy isn't that a remarkable scripture you can you can please God this morning by simply giving Him His place. By trusting Him. By acknowledging Him. And by hoping in His mercy. I can bring Him pleasure. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. But the, He that comes to Him believing that He is, that He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. It's pleasing unto the Lord. There's nothing... That would bless me more than to know that I could bring pleasure to the heart of God this morning. That's what the fear of the Lord does. One other scripture promise I want to share with you. Psalm 25, 14. Psalm 25, 14 in the New King James Version says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. And He will show them His covenant. How many of you would like to know God's secrets? Wouldn't you like to know what God's doing? What God's, what God's thinking? It says, The secrets of the Lord are with those who fear Him, and He will reveal His covenant, His promises. The secrets, who do you tell your secrets to? We only tell our secrets really to those close friends, right? Those that we are in real relationship with. Those few people that have you back. The secrets of the Lord are with is is with those who fear him. The Passion Translation says it why well, I love this. There's a private place reserved for the devoted lovers of Yahweh. Where they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises, you share your f- secrets with your friends. Abraham was called a friend of God. I asked God how I could two two illustrations: abraham Abraham was chosen by God from Ur er, from idolatry, literally. And he was promised by God that he was going to bless all the families of the earth through him. And that his descendants would be more than the number of the stars in the sky or the sea, sand on the seashore. And it says Abraham believed God. And he followed him and he left his family and lands and he was going to a place that God would show him. God's good. This, when he was 75 years old, he gets this promise. I'm going to have kids that's going to number more than the stars in the sky. How many of us would say, yeah, right? In fact, that not even on my picture board. My, my, goal, my goal is not to have another one. The problem was Abraham didn't have any. He believed God when he didn't have any. He believed God when he was 75. In fact, he wasn't going to have it until he was 100 You understand, he believed God when believing God wasn't popular. So he was following after God, and for years he was waiting and and in impatience. You know the story. Sarah arranged, Sarah and Abraham arranged a way for them to have a son, and Ishmael was born, not out of promise but out of the flesh, out of the plans of men. Later, God gives Sarah exactly what he had promised. Isaac is born. Isaac is born, and everything's going great. Then one day, this is Genesis chapter 22, 1 through 18. I'm not going to go through all the scripture. hope that you'll read it for yourself. God tells Abraham to take Isaac, the son of promise, and offer him as a burnt sacrifice on a mountain that he would take him to. Abraham gets up the next morning, makes preparation, and he goes on a three-day journey to a place that God shows him. He's completely prepared... To offer his son as a burnt sacrifice. Now here's the thing that you've got to realize about a burnt sacrifice. A burnt sacrifice is not you place something on the fire. The burnt sacrifice is first you kill it, then you burn it. And this is his son of promise. And God is telling him, go to the mountain. He took the wood. you talking about somebody that just believed God. He took the wood and took the knife. He even took the fire with him. And he goes up on the mountain, And here's the thing. He had such a relationship with his son Isaac. When Isaac asked, where's the, where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, The Lord will provide. Isaac climbs up on the altar, trusting his father. Abraham lifts his knife and is just about to take the life of his son. And an angel of the Lord calls out, Don't stretch out your hand against the lad. Don't do do nothing to him. For now I know. Listen to these words. For now I know that you fear the Lord. You fear God. Since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Folks, listen to me. God didn't want Abraham's son. God wanted Abraham's trust. God wanted Abraham to see that God was more important than anything. God wanted him to know that God, if he would trust him, he would take care of everything. How do we know when we fear the Lord? I'm going to use Abraham. Abraham, now I know because you obeyed me. Isaiah 66, 2, it's not on the script, it's not on the screen, says this, this is, the, this is the Lord, this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. The word trembles it means reverences, reveres my word. Abraham showed he feared the Lord when he obeyed. But listen to me, it's not just simple obedience. Here's the problem, we think we're obeying God. Let me show you a picture of Abraham's obedience, a picture of the fear of the Lord. Abraham obeyed immediately. If God had told me that tomorrow I want you to take your son and offer him as a burnt sacrifice, I would have not slept that night. And the next morning, I wouldn't have got up from not sleeping. I would have tried to postpone it. I'd have tried to, because here's the thing I didn't fear God, I feared what I was about to do. Here's the thing that I understand about Abraham's obedience. He obeyed immediately. He got up, he made preparation, and he set out for a three-day journey. He obeyed when it didn't make sense. He obeyed when it was going to hurt. And he obeyed when it was not going to be any benefit to him. What was he going to get out of it? How many of us postpone obedience? We're not going to obey if it hurts. We're not going to obey if we don't understand. We're not going to obey if if it's not going to be of any benefit to us. And here's the, the fifth one. He obeyed it to its completion. He lifted the knife. He had already sacrificed his son in his heart to the Lord he trusted. He feared God. Seek you first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. Seek what first? The kingdom of God. Who's who's the king of the kingdom? God. So seek first God and how God does things and what God's doing and He will add everything else to you. Abraham gets a message from the angel. Abraham looks and there's a ram caught in a thicket. And he offers the ram as a burnt offering. He gets to use the knife, but not on his son, on a ram. And he offers as a burnt sacrifice to the God he's just had a revelation of. And the Bible says this, And he called this place Jehovah-Jireh, Yahweh-Jireh the Lord will provide for himself. Abraham gets to know a secret. Do you know what it was? Jesus. Jesus, years later, said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. There was a sacrifice that was going to be offered by God himself that would save all mankind and all of these stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore all the promises of god were fulfilled in Abraham. Abraham got a revelation of a secret from god that god was going to provide for himself a sacrifice jesus by god demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for the ungodly. It was God that was going to take the knife and literally plunge it into the heart of His Son in order that the blood of Jesus would cleanse us from all sin. The Holy and Righteous One had made a way for you and for me. Well, preacher, that's, that's Old Testament. You know, Abraham was a friend of God and all that. But let me, let me give you a new testament. John fifteen thirteen through 15. Greater love hath no one than this, than a person lay down his life for his friends. Jesus talking, greater life has no love, no one than this, than person lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. See, we think commands are rules. Commands are opportunities to step into the promises of God. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, because all things that I have heard from the Father... I've made known to you do you fear the Lord it's easy to say those words I fear the Lord how many of you had a daddy that said I'll put the fear of God in you (laughs) do we really fear the Lord have we lost the majesty of who he really is of what he's really done When's the last time you fell down in worship and adoration of the One who gave His Son for you? What is our response to the fear of God? Listen, Let me just be honest with you. It's flippancy. We are flippant. It's been told so many times, we just let it roll off. Yeah, I know Jesus died for me like it was nothing to it yeah I know my sins are forgiven like it didn't matter I'll go out and sin some more do you realize the provision that's been made for us do you realize the privilege that we have to be called sons of God God deserves our worship our life our all He deserves to be first before my wife, before my children, before my finances. Everything, every good and perfect gift that comes to us is from the Father above and He doesn't change. He's for you. He's available to you. There's incredible promises made out, when you get through here this morning, out at the hub, I just made out 40, I think there's about 40, front and back, Scripture promises to those who fear God. Do you know that God says you'll not, you'll not want, you'll never lack when you fear Him? He says He'll take care of all your enemies when you fear Him. It's on the table as we leave. But here's the point I want to ask you. I'm going to invite the altar team to go ahead and come. I want you to stand with me. So Lord, what do you want? What do you want from us? Deuteronomy 10, 12. Now Israel, what does the Lord of your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of His ways, and to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. God, I want to give everything that I am I want to do everything that I've got for your glory for my good may your name be lifted up if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning today is the day you can fear the Lord if you know him and you know you've been flippant in your relationship with him today's the day you can say Lord give me again the fear of God Stacy's going to lead us we're going to invite you just to Hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Respond. We have ministry teams available. Respond. And then before we close, I want us to close together with a prayer. All right? So you come as Stacy leads us. close with a prayer. We're going to invite any if you still need ministry. Please avail yourself to them. And I want us to close in prayer together. I want to I want us to pray a prayer that's in Jude verse 25. Jude only has one chapter. Verse 25. Jude 25. It's going to be on the screen. And I want us to pray it. It's in the New Living Translation. But I want you to see what we're praying. It is our Blessing to the Lord. All right, you ready? We're going to read it together. All glory to Him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are His before all time, and in the present, and beyond all time. Amen. Amen. Let's live in the fear of the Lord. Don't forget to pick up these out at the hub. God bless you. Let the ministry team minister to you, if you will, please. God bless you.